Good morning. I'm happy to be with you all. I was away for Christmas with my family. I had a good time with them. I got to be with my sister, who's also a free Methodist pastor. She's a children's pastor. And she had a happy birthday Jesus pajama party for the kids. And so I got to help put that on with her. And then we also wore matching Olaf onesies. And that was pretty fun. Though it was my first time meeting everyone at that church, so I was a little intimidating. (laughs) So growing up, my sister and I would have what we called the breakfast club with my grandparents. We would sit around the table and talk about the deeper things in life over fresh orange juice and waffles. At the breakfast club, my grandpa would often ask me and my sister deep and probing questions. He loved to look me square in the eyes and ask, who are you, Nikki? Who are you really? He would sit back in his chair, smiling expectantly as I fumbled about trying to answer him. My grandpa had no expectations of what my answer would be, just pure delight in hearing whatever my musings were about my identity that day whether I was 10 or 25 years old. After being satisfied with quizzing my sister and I, my grandpa would also extend these deep and probing questions to God. Who is God, Nikki? What is God like? I think most of all, my grandpa wasn't looking for any firm or concrete answers. He just relished the wonder of asking the questions and loved the search and process of seeking answers. I think the gospel writer of John, like my grandpa, was also very curious about God's identity and what God is like. And perhaps more than my grandpa, John wanted concrete answers to help address and clarify confusion that existed about who God is. One way that John helps us understand Jesus' identity is through a series of seven I am statements. So Jesus says about himself, I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. I am the true vine. John uses these concrete images or symbols that made sense in the Israelite world to show us what God is like. The I am statement we are honing in on today is perhaps one of my favorite ways to talk about God. If my grandpa were alive today and asked me, who is God, Nikki? What is God like? I think I would tell him to reread the Gospel of John, paying special attention to the I am statements, and then I would share with him what I'm about to share with you. Please turn in your Bibles to John 10, verses 11 through 16, and follow along as I read aloud. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away 
and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. Please pray with me. God, I ask that you would continue to reveal yourself to us this morning. That you would show us what you are like. That we would have an embodied sense that you are our good shepherd. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So before we go deeper into studying our passage this morning, I think it is important for us to familiarize ourselves with the world of sheep and shepherds in ancient Palestine. Did you know that the sheep are the most frequently mentioned animal in the Bible? 400 times. And shepherds are also mentioned very frequently, about 100 times. Why is this pastoral theme so common? Most likely, it is because sheep were an important part of the Israelite economy. They provided food, milk and meat, and wool. And from the earliest days, many of God's people were shepherds, like Abraham, Isaac, Rebekah, Moses, David, and Amos. Shepherds were a natural and essential part of the Hebrew world. And culturally, they came to be symbolic for idealized and compassionate rulers and leaders. So what exactly did shepherds do? Shepherds cared for every aspect of the sheep's life. Sheep were totally dependent on the shepherd for protection, grazing, watering, shelter, caring for them while they were sick and injured. If the shepherd wasn't there to lead them safely to pasture to find food, to help them find water, make time for them to rest in cool, shady places, show them where to go, protect them from animals and thieves at night, and tend to their cuts and wounds, the sheep would simply not survive. There is such an intimate connection between shepherd and sheep that even to this day, if flocks are mixed at a well or in a public place, the shepherd merely has to call out to his sheep from among the crowd, and they will come to him, for they recognize and follow his voice. What were sheep like? And spoiler alert, we are supposed to be the sheep. Sheep are known for being particularly dependent and particularly unintelligent (laughs) and are basically helpless to care for themselves. Yikes. They are also prone to wandering and do not have the ability to find their way back to the sheepfold on their own. When Jesus says that he is the good shepherd in John 10, This was obviously not the first time 
that God was likened to a shepherd. In the Old Testament, there are many references to Yahweh as the shepherd of Israel. God was in fact seen as the ideal shepherd, caring for, protecting, and tending to his flock, which was the people of Israel. We're all very familiar with Psalm 23, and it beautifully describes God as shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now we know that shepherd imagery was common throughout the Old Testament. But what do we learn about God's identity from this particular passage in John? What does it mean that Jesus is the good shepherd? From this passage this morning, we learn that Jesus is the good shepherd, first, because he lays his life down for the sheep. Second, Jesus is not the hired hand. He cares for the sheep and protects them. And third, Jesus knows his sheep, and the sheep know him. So first, Jesus is the good shepherd because he lays down his life for the sheep. We know from our study that a good shepherd should be caring, compassionate, attentive, gentle, and a skillful and authoritative leader to properly tend to her sheep and guide them through life. But we didn't say that a shepherd had to give her life up for the sheep. Jesus is taking the already harrowing and sacrificial demands of a shepherd's life to another level. The Lord Jesus himself will put his very life on the line to protect his sheep from wild and devouring animals, physically guarding them with his rod and staff, making sure the wolves can't even touch his defenseless defenseless sheep. Jesus is also foreshadowing his death on the cross here. And we see that as the good shepherd, he sacrifices his life for us so that we may live. Second, we learn that Jesus is the good shepherd because he is not like the hired hand. He actually cares for and protects the sheep. In verses 12 through 13, we read, The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. These verses describe the utter failure of the hired hand to protect and care for the sheep. And they have distinct echoes of Ezekiel 34, when God condemns the kings and rulers for not carrying out their shepherding duties as leaders of Israel. So I'm going to read aloud from Ezekiel 34, and this is God speaking against the shepherds. 
You have not strengthened the weak. You have not healed the sick. You have not bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strayed. You have not sought the lost, but with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and scattered they became food for all the wild animals. This is a rather tragic and haunting description of what can happen when we entrust our lives to hired hands or when bad shepherds rule over, rule over us who do not care for the people they are entrusted with. I see it also as a wake-up call for us. Who are we entrusting our lives to? Are we entrusting our lives to the hired hand who, when the going gets rough, will simply run away? and leave us to die and be scattered? There are many hired hands vying for our allegiance and our attention, giving us false promises of their care for us. We shouldn't listen to them. The good shepherd stands in stark contrast to the hired hand because the good shepherd fundamentally cares about the sheep. We're going to go back to Ezekiel 34, and I want us to take these words to heart and meditate on them, because these are the promises that God is making to his people. For thus says the Lord God, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As shepherds seek out their flocks when they are among their scattered sheep, so I will seek out my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places to which they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak. But the fat and the strong I will destroy." I will feed them with justice. It can be incredibly scary, for me at least, to look around and see leaders in politics, churches, entertainment, and business who are false shepherds. False shepherds who oppress the most vulnerable, betray and cheat on their spouses and friends, and greedily amass more and more at the expense of others. Many of us have been hurt by leaders like this, or we're scared of leaders like this, or simply wary. I pray in the midst of our fear, anger, or oppression, that God himself would feed us with his justice, and that God's word would continue to stand as an indictment against the false shepherds in our world. I pray that we would take great comfort that God is the good shepherd, not the hired hand, and that he cares for us and will protect us from these hired hands, for we are his, the sheep of his pasture. Lastly, Jesus is the good shepherd because he knows his own, 
and his own know him. We talked earlier about the intimacy that exists between shepherd and sheep, especially the fact that sheep know and can discern their shepherd's voice apart from others. Jesus knows his sheep, and at the same time, Jesus' sheep know him. This reminds me of the several times that I house sat for the Cass's dog, Finley. (laughs) To be honest, I've never been an animal person, so I was surprised when Finley and I developed a strong bond. When Finley comes to the church now and hears my voice, he bounds into my office to come and say hello. I know Finley, and Finley knows me. And there is great joy in this mutual love and knowing. How much more sweet is the mutual knowing that can exist between me and Jesus, who has been my good shepherd throughout my life. When I was a lost young sheep, wondering if my life even mattered, Jesus, my good shepherd, came and showed me the way to a life of meaning and purpose, so I no longer felt lost. And when I suffered trauma and hurt after my semester in the Middle East, my good shepherd came close to me and helped me bandage my scars and heal emotional wounds which had surfaced from my family. When I was facing what felt like wild animals during seminary, both my own inner turmoil and outside opposition, God continued to protect me with his rod and staff, reassuring me that he would make a way and continue to guide me through the scary terrain ahead. I think of times when I have felt like I was living in the desert, when shame and loneliness overtook me, and yet, In those times, my good shepherd spoke to me, and I recognized his voice as he reminded me of the truth of his love and genuine delight in me. Even if you don't know Jesus as your shepherd, Jesus knows you, and he is calling you to come and be a part of his flock or to rejoin his flock if you have gotten lost. Jesus already knows you, and amazingly, you can come to know him too. If my grandpa was here today, and we were all around at the breakfast table, and he asked you, what is God like? How would you answer him? Could you recount the times that God has acted as your good shepherd? When you were lost, how God went out of his way to come and find you? When you were broken and battered, how God came to heal and bind up your cuts and wounds? When you needed encouragement and God's voice spoke clearly through the mess that you were his beloved child? We have seen this morning that from the Old Testament to the New, we know that God has always considered himself to be the shepherd of his people. We can trust our good shepherd Jesus, 
because he has already shown us that he has laid down his life for his sheep. I want us to take some time in prayer and reflection and ask God to show us, to reveal to us, how has he been a good shepherd in our lives? And if we haven't invited God to lead us, if we haven't invited God to be our good shepherd, I invite us to do so now. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.